In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may our attitude and spirit be like that of Samuel, who said, Speak, O Lord, your servant hears. Amen. You may be seated. In the parlance of our times, to put the fear of God into someone is another way to say to frighten someone. God's existence isn't even always a given. It's like the this is your brain on drugs ad campaign. The image of an egg frying in a pan was intended to put the fear of God into American youth, not to do drugs. But this figurative fear of God is not the same as the literal fear of God we see in the account of the transfiguration of our Lord. When we say fear of God here, we're not necessarily talking fear as in we should fear and love God, like Martin Luther says in the small catechism, the fear that means awe or reverence. No, we are talking about that feeling of being scared, afraid, terrified. We're talking about an emotion so strong it can cause people to fall down and curl up in the fetal position and to make your heart beat so hard in your chest that it would hurt if it weren't for the adrenaline. When Saints Peter, James, and John saw Jesus transfigured, shining in glory, and heard the voice of the Father echoing from the heavens, we are told that they fell on their faces and were terrified. They were scared straight. They had the fear of God put right into them. But who could blame them? Reason dictates that we should be terrified to stand before God. Jesus, after all, is the same God who was there at the burning bush. We are told that when Moses saw that burning bush, he then hid his face in fear. And the disciples knew that this was the same God that spoke to Moses. Moses, who never mind, was right in front of them. And they learned that Growing up, that while Moses was still on this earth, he would frequently and fearfully avert his eyes from seeing God. But why was Moses afraid? Well, he knew that he was a sinner, and for that he could be punished. He knew that he could even be punished with capital punishment, with death. And with Moses, the trend was set. Nobody casually went near God or looked at him. And anybody who did go near God or tried to catch a glimpse of him was a fool. Why? They wouldn't live to tell about it. That's why the people of Israel, except for Moses and Aaron, were forbidden to ascend Mount Sinai. God explicitly stated, lest they break through to the Lord to look and many of them perish. This limit still applied when the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the dwelling place of God, was constructed. And although God dwelt among the Israelites in the most holy place, in the heart of the tabernacle, nobody in their right mind would dare go behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies. And unless you were the high priest on the Day of Atonement, you'd surely die if you went in there. And even for the high priest, they would tie a rope around his ankle so that they could drag him out in case he were to keel over dead. Even Hollywood gets this concept. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark is not known to be the most theologically accurate film, 
But maybe the one thing Steven Spielberg and company got kind of right was to have Indy and Marion close their eyes when the Nazis decide to pop the lid on the ark. This goes to show that even those who may be skeptical about Christianity understand that one does not simply go up and look at God and live. So indeed, we can't casually come up to God. So God had to come to us. And with Jesus, God did come to us. As John 1.14 says, And the word, that is Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt, or tabernacled, if you will, among us. Yes, Jesus dwelt among us, first by entering the womb of the Virgin Mary, a sort of tent, if you will. But then he was born on Christmas. Christ, that is to say God, exited the tent. God was among man, walking and talking with us face to face. People talked face to face with Jesus, that is God, and weren't smited. They lived to tell the tale. And boy, did they, because the Gospels were written on their eyewitness accounts. But why would God come to us and allow us to see his face? It is because of love. And he shows that love, and it causes him to call us his friends. That love sacrifices all, his life and blood, his glory and honor, and even his dignity to save us. So why then did he reveal his glory to the three of his apostles on the mountaintop? To show that it was holy God who was to save humanity from sin and to raise us who are dead to fear. The transfigured Christ dispels our fear. Because as St. John, that same St. John who was there at the transfiguration tells us in his first epistle, there is no fear in love. But perfect love cast out fear. And so Christ in perfect love cast out our fear. And notice how Jesus does this to his three frightened apostles. He came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when Jesus says rise, in the original Greek, it is an imperative, that is, a command. But it's not merely an imperative but a passive imperative. And with passive verbs, the subject is not the actor of the verb. Rather, the subject is the one being acted upon. So in other words, this isn't a thou shalt arise, but a proclamation of be arisen. In other words, Christ lays his hands on his three apostles dead to fear, and has spoken their resurrection into being. And so he does to you, when through the pastor he absolves you of your sin, and perhaps even in certain circumstances, such as individual confession and or absolution, the pastor may even lay his hands on you. And in place of that fear that he is driven out, Christ gives us hope. And that hope is in his saving death on another mountain, on Calvary, in his death by crucifixion. And that hope is absolute certainty that his atoning work on that cross is strong enough to wash us clean and save us. 
Therefore, dear friends of Christ, you whom he has brought into the faith, you no longer have to be afraid. You no longer have to be afraid to come into his holy sanctuary. You no longer have to be afraid to pray to him, no differently than a child wishing to talk with its loving father. You no longer have to be afraid to come forward to the chancel to receive his very body and blood for the forgiveness of sins and the strengthening of that faith. You no longer have to be afraid that you are unworthy to serve him. And after you breathe your last and stand before Christ in his glory, still you will not be afraid. And as the book of life is opened and read aloud, you will not be afraid then either. For because of Christ, your name will be read aloud, along with those of Moses and Elijah and Peter and James and John and all the other saints. Your name will be read and counted among those redeemed by Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.